0: to make the Crunch Time Plays. Now your host, Bennett Gainey. Bennett Gainey. The Crunch, Crunch, Crunch Time Plays.
1: This is Pat Smith from Three Man Front and you're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey there, it's
0: Brooks Austin with Sports Illustrated's Dogs Daily. You're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Tara Talmadge with the Pig Trail Nation, and you are watching and listening
1: to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, it's Jim Dunaway from the next round, and when it comes down to the final ticks on the clock, always look for Crunch Time Plays. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Crunch Time Plays today, whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks so much Make sure you hit that subscribe button while you're here. Absolutely free to do that. We're talking one of the big games in college football this weekend, Ohio State, and Michigan State in Columbus at, at noon on Saturday. And we got a guy that we've had on several times from buttnuts.com, 24-7 site for Ohio State, Steve Hellwagon. Steve, what's up, brother?
0: I'm doing great. What's going on?
1: Not not too much. Uh, it seems, seems like, from what we've heard, there's a big game going on in Columbus uh, this weekend.
0: Yeah, that's what they tell me, Ohio State – uh In Michigan State both in the top 10 in the in the rankings and uh, you know the division will be decided here in this next two weeks and uh, one of these three teams is still hoping to get into the college football playoffs so I guess we'll uh, see how it all shakes out here over the next two or three weeks. There's
1: no doubt about that and before we get into the actual game one of the one of the subplots of the game i know a lot of people will be talking about is the heisman race with cj stroud on the ohio state side and kenneth walker on the on the michigan state side but it seems seems like that this game of course whoever whoever wins and who whichever player has a big day they they're going to market up the the heisman rates but for michigan state and kenneth walker specifically it seems like that to me that in order for Michigan State to win this game, Kenneth Walker is going to have to have a big day. So it would only make sense that he would vault up the Heisman race if Michigan State were to were to beat Ohio State on Saturday. And then for C.J. Stroud, of course, if he goes out and has a big day, Ohio State wins, then then he's going to vault up himself. So it seems like there's a really interesting subplot going on here with the Heisman race in this game also.
0: Yeah, I mean, I look at that as kind of a byproduct of everything else that's going on right now. And uh, it has been the quietest Heisman Trophy race of any season that I can ever recall. I don't think that anybody has really put their name on it, as we've seen in years past, with a maybe either spectacular plays or just some outrageous statistical performance over the first 10 or 11 games or 10 games, I guess. So you think about it, it's anybody's race right now. I see that Bryce Young from Alabama is still kind of in there, maybe Matt Corral from Old Miss perhaps, and then uh, the two guys from the Big Ten. Uh, I, I ESPN had a screenshot of those four guys, I believe, and I tweeted out and I made the remark that whoever's – team plays the best whichever guy plays the best the rest of the way is going to win this award and you know we think about it as some uh you know out out in space pie in the sky type thing you know that this is some major honor or accomplishment that uh, guys get you know to crown off their career or something but you know you look at Bryce Young he's just getting started Walker he had a year or two at at wake. And now he's come into the forefront at Michigan state and Stroud, you know, never threw a pass prior to this season. So, uh, you know, Archie Griffin won two of these in 1974, 1975, and nobody else has has done that since then. I mean, Tim Tebow, I think won it as a sophomore and never won it again. And, you know, it's potential that maybe whoever wins it this year might win it again next year. (laughs) And, and finally break that record. But that has really been kind of a side story to this whole season. It's just never come up uh, who, who was going to win the Heisman trophy this year and they're still going to give one out apparently. So um, that I was, we were at interviews yesterday at Ohio state. Some of the reporters were already looking at flights and hotels to go to New York to cover it. And I'm kind of like, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, I guess. But uh wow. Yeah, I suppose uh, if if one or either of these guys plays great in this game and again this is a major national game just as next week's game will be on Fox that uh everybody'll be watching and and we'll see if uh, somebody does step to the forefront.
1: Yeah, you're you're definitely right about that and and you know people you know, I know all the time we want we want parody in like the college football playoff race and different things like that. But when we get it into Heisman, maybe it's just personal preference for a lot of people, but it seems like people don't want parody when it comes to the Heisman. So I don't, I don't know where people's uh, I don't know where people's priorities are these days. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, it should be open to, to the best player in the country. And there are a lot of guys out there uh, who have put up numbers and, and different things like that. And Uh, Again, I have I vote for it. I'm on the panel for it. I've been on the panel for it for about 15 or 20 years now. And um, it's it's kind of a cool thing. Um, But at the same time, uh, I really haven't studied it to see who else is out there to know, um, you know, who deserves it. And, uh, you know, I voted for Chase Young uh, a few years ago, because I thought he was just the dominant defensive player at Ohio State the year he was one of the finalists, along with Justin Fields, and, and uh, I think Kyler Murray, uh, I don't know, all the years kind of run together at this point. I think Kyler Murray may have won it that year. So um, I just think about it, and uh, it it is a really cool thing to, to kind of be a part of and, and to see, but at the same time, I just don't have any real feel for it yet. And I guess over this next three weeks, it'll become more and more apparent.
1: Yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. And and th- we kind of get past the subplot, actually get into the into the game and what we expect to see uh, on Saturday for Ohio State and Michigan State in this game. But for Ohio State's defense uh, to start off with in this game, I know obviously a great attention is going to be paid to to Kenneth Walker, and it, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me to see. Uh, Michigan State and, and Peyton Thorne kind of air it out a little bit uh, to read and those receivers on the outside to kind of say it seems like the kind of game where if Michigan State wants to have success on offense they'll have to take advantage of the what has been a little bit of susceptible Ohio State secondary so far and then that will allow them if they're able to have success to be able to set up that run with with Kenneth Walker I know a lot of people Always talk about run with pass, but it seems like if Michigan State to me wants to have success on offense on Saturday against that Ohio State defense, they're going to have to do kind of the opposite of that. They're going to have to they're going to have to play off the pass and then and then open up the run from there.
0: Yeah, I think Ohio State has been outstanding against the run on the whole. I was just looking up their numbers and uh, rushing defense. Ohio State is 13th nationally, 105 yards per game whereas uh, Michigan State is averaging about 200 yards a game uh, rushing, and they are 27th nationally in rushing. So I don't think they're going to abandon the run. I think they're going to test Ohio State's front seven and make sure that Ohio State uh, can – Limit Walker to two and three yards per carry. If they can get him out there and get five or six yards a clip and they can move the chains running the football, then then I suppose that's what what you stick with. But I think you're on to something there. Ohio State uh, last two weeks has given up some big hitters in the pass game. Uh, a long touchdown to Nebraska as well as a long play that set up a touchdown by Nebraska uh, Martinez ran it in from the one yard line uh, after he and his receiver had hooked up a second time on a long, uh, well it was actually kind of a shorter pass that turned into a, a big gainer. And then last week uh, Michigan state had four or five pass plays for 20 or more yards, including a touchdown over the top. And I think, do think there is some susceptibility in the Ohio State pass defense. Um, what we saw last week is they didn't give up the big, big play. I think the longest play was that touchdown, 27 or 29 yards, uh, whatever it was, by Michigan or by Purdue. And... Uh, they made Purdue drive the length of the field. So they were getting 12 play drives, 75 yards. Ohio State was keeping the, the, the pass plays in front of them, but they were giving up third down conversions. They were giving up. And then when uh, Purdue got the ball to the red zone, uh, they scored four touchdowns. And, you know, and yet Ohio State was up 35 to seven to start the game, you know, in the middle of the second quarter. So you might say, oh, You know, some of that was because they, you know, let up a little bit or substituted or, or however you want to put it. But Purdue has a a great passing attack. I mean, they put up 500 yards against this Michigan State team the week before when they beat them. So, um, you know, I look at it and I I just think that uh, Michigan State's got great balance, is what I see. I see a, a team that is capable of running the football for 200 yards a game. I see on average here, they are throwing it, uh, passing offense, for 250. That is almost ideal balance. If you're rushing for 200 and passing for 250 on average, uh, that means you know some games you're going to push the 500-yard mark, which is you know, obviously you should win most of those games. So we'll see how Ohio State's defense contends with it. They have a very rugged front four that's done a great job against the run. And that's Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison at defensive end, Haskell Garrett, who's been a little bit dinged up here the last few weeks at defensive tackle, Jerron Cage, Antoine Jackson, uh, those guys, Teron Vincent, they've all done an outstanding job at defensive tackle stacking up the run getting a hand on the runner and then allowing safeties and linebackers to fill and make those plays. They're getting better play at linebacker. They play two guys uh, at linebacker. They basically run a four two, five, uh with a safety kind of walked up in the box as the bullet linebacker is what they call or bullet safety. And so the, the two linebackers uh, they, they've been playing Cody Simon and uh, Tommy Eichenberg at the middle linebacker position. And Steele Chambers, who's a converted running back, is playing outside linebacker with Taraja Mitchell kind of there with him in the tandem as well. And excuse me, those are the only two linebacker positions they've been going with. And those four guys have kind of split the reps at those two positions. And it's been a very good uh, recipe the last half of this season uh, for production success and stopping the run. So they've done a good job Ronnie Hickman is a safety by trade, but he plays the bullet linebacker position. He played all 72 plays last week against Purdue at the bullet position. And so that front seven has done a really strong job getting in most weeks pressure on the quarterback and stopping the run last week against Purdue. They had no sacks and uh, Purdue uh, and Aiden O'Connell was able to push almost 400 yards passing last week. So it was uh, it was not the the performance the Ohio State defense was looking for. Kind of rec- reckoned you back to the beginning of the season. The Oregon game looked and felt a lot like that. So uh, you know, I guess we'll we'll see what kind of defense they put on the field this Saturday against a very good offense for Michigan State.
1: Yeah, there's, there's no, no doubt about that. And then kind of switching over to the offensive side of the ball now for Ohio State. Of course, everybody's talking about the and rightfully so. Everybody talks about the top three uh, receiving a trio in the country with with Olave Wilson and, and Smith and Jigba. But Smith and Jigba is a guy that I kind of wanted to focus on with you because when Garrett Wilson was out against Nebraska, Smith and Jigba stepped up, had over 200 yards, receiving, really was able to lift uh, that Ohio State offense when they were struggling a little bit. And then, obviously, Travion Henderson's been uh, a guy that's been – Really great uh, in the backfield for Ohio State of uh, this season, but with the, when, you t- when you look at the Michigan State secondary, they've been suc- susceptible as well. Taught, you mentioned what uh, Purdue was able to do uh, against them with with Aiden O'Connell throwing it to to David Bell, I think, for over two hundred yards in that game as well. But when you look at what Ohio State's going to do on offense, of course, they want to they're going to want to throw the football against that. That's secondary, but for Michigan State's defense, it's obviously just going to come down to – they're they're going to have to accept giving up a lot of yards, but when they get down uh, into the red zone, they're just going to have to tighten up down there.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably the way it's going to go. Ohio State's uh, had a couple games there against Penn State and Nebraska where they were not that great in the red zone. They only scored two touchdowns offensively in those two games, Penn State and Nebraska. Kind of got back on top of it this past week, 59 points in the win over Purdue, and they were converting from all over the field. You you brought up Smith the Jigba. He set a school record with 15 receptions. He broke a record that was set by David Boston, who had 14 catches against, I believe it was Penn State in 1997. So um, you think about it, uh, they could be a man down in that group, but it still doesn't impact the bottom line too much. Uh, Chris Olave has been Mr. Consistency. You just kind of write down his numbers every week, like eight catches, 90 yards, a touchdown almost every week for Chris Olave. He just he's like the Energizer Bunny. He just he he is kind of the backbone of the whole thing. And it was interesting that, uh, you know, the Bolitnikov World semifinalists came out and he was listed and not Wilson or Sp- uh, Smith, the Jigba because their numbers are basically identical. They're all right around 50 catches, 900 yards. The touchdowns vary a little bit because the is now up to 11 touchdowns on the season, which is a tremendous number. So maybe that's what people looked at as a dif- differentiator for him. He is one touchdown away from uh, setting a new Ohio- or tying the Ohio state touchdown record. And I'm drawing a blank on who it is. 34 of them is the record. Uh, it might be David Boston. I don't know. I'd have to go look that up. But uh, at, at any rate, he is closing in on that record and uh, will tie it with his next touchdown. So he has had a tremendous four-year career at Ohio State. And he, as I say, is the backbone. Then you have Smith and the Jigba who 15 catches and he got out to a quick start against Nebraska. I mean, he had like six or seven in the first quarter and you're like, man, he's going to catch up a bunch of passes. And it just kept coming. And he's kind of a possession guy, but he's also a guy that if you get him in space can take a short one, the distance. And he's done that a couple of times. So I think you look at it um, and he's just a versatile guy all over the field. And then You add in this freak, Garrett Wilson. Uh, Last week against uh, uh, Purdue, all these weeks are running together now. I wanted wanted to say Nebraska, but he didn't play against Nebraska because he was suffering from an apparent head injury, concussion, whatever, from the week before against Penn State. So he, he didn't even travel with the team to Nebraska. But he came back and uh, announced his uh, re-emergence uh, with a vengeance. He had four touchdowns in the game. And it's believed he's the first player in Ohio State history to have three receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in the game. Caught a slant pass and uh, took it uh, you know, around the edge and uh, dove at the pylon for one. He out jumped a guy for a back shoulder throw in the end zone for a second one, Uh, took a handoff and uh, went around uh, the the edge on an end around, split the defenders and was gone. Uh, Didn't even really need the the blocking. Olave was out there to block for him. That's the other thing. These guys block for each other. Like there's like, like it's nobody's business. And then he also caught a slant uh, across the middle in the red zone and Purdue had overplayed it to try and stop him. So he stops on a dime, turns and goes back the other direction and scores standing up. I mean, four different ways uh, he came up with to score in that game. He is just a uh, freak isn't even the right word. Freakish, super freak, however you want to put it. He has got some amazing ability. And uh, I fully believe He is going to jump off and go to the NFL after this season. Olave could come back as a super senior, but I would predict he's also leaving uh, after this season, his fourth year at OSU. So uh, they'll have to do a little bit of reloading there next year in the wide receiver group, but a good guy to build around with Smith Najigba. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ameka Ibuka, who's done some big things on kick returns, uh, those will be the top three guys probably coming back next year. So, I think you got to be excited about. Uh, again, uh, I want to see now that they're getting into the deep end of the pool how Ohio State's passing game matches up with, you know, Michigan State that they they are last in the country in pass defense. They're giving up. Uh, well over 300 yards uh, passing defense. Let's see. They're giving up 329 yards per game, and that is 25 more than the team that is in 129th place. They are 130th in pass defense. They got some real young guys out there trying to cover in in the defensive secondary. What's crazy is Mel Tucker is a secondary coach, is a defensive coordinator by trade. You know, that was how he made his name, as a college assistant and an NFL assistant is as a, as, a, as a defensive coordinator, as a secondary coach, and it's the weak link on this team that uh, is one of the best Michigan State's had in a while. And Ohio state's definitely going to test them. But then of course, obviously you get into Michigan uh, most likely if they win both those Wisconsin and then into the playoff, if perhaps they would ever match up with Georgia that matchup with Ohio state's offense at Georgia's defense, that would be uh, worth the price of admission if we ever get to see it in the semifinals or the, the championship game. So I know I'm getting the the cart ahead of the horses here, but uh Really, some fun football coming up for Ohio State now that they've got it to this point.
1: That's definitely true. I'm, I'm like you. I'm I'm very much. Uh, I'm I'm kind of silently uh, pulling for that uh, matchup in the playoff. We see Georgia's defense against Ohio State's offense. That that would be uh, definitely worth the price of admission and and must think, see tell it must see TV.
0: I think what Ohio State fans and Big Ten fans are clamoring for is that. Uh, that would come to fruition in the championship game on a neutral field in Indianapolis, where I would imagine out of 75,000 people, there'll be about 50,000 Ohio State people that would find their way uh, into Lucas Oil Stadium to, uh, to root on the Buckeyes and, and to finally have a, a championship game, a bowl game, a, a neutral site game in Big Ten territory against a team from the SEC. Um, you know where the the shoe's been on the other foot new orleans so many times and atlanta miami different places so i think that uh that big ten fans ohio state fans would love nothing more uh than to uh to to shell out a few a uh, few hundred uh, maybe even a thousand dollars to get their hands on a ticket for that
1: yeah there, there's no doubt about that and definitely something that the ohio state fans will be looking forward to and of course, you got. Of course, obviously, they're looking forward to taking care of business the next couple of weeks and and getting into the playoff and and seeing where they go from there. And and Steve, final final thing that I have for you before I let you go is, you know we talked about uh, how Ohio State was doing uh, in recruiting back uh, in August, whenever we were doing some season previews when when we had you on. But can you give us a, a sense of where? Ohio State is in the class right now. Obviously, they're ranked number six in the 24-7 sports composite right now. Are there any uh, key of, official visitors for the weekend, are guys that are going to be at the game that you're really looking out for, and and anybody uh, on commitment watch for Ohio State at this point?
0: You know, um, they have had a number of top players in uh, for visits uh, this weekend. Uh, It is entirely possible, uh, as I look at it, one of the key names that could be there this weekend is Devin Brown, a quarterback from Utah who was committed uh, to USC. He's a national top uh, 75 player out of Utah, and obviously the the USC job is now open. So I think that uh, you look at him. Some other guys uh, from California, defensive lineman Hiro Canoe was in. He's a national top 100 player. And to stand next to him, he kind of blots out the sun. He'd be a big defensive tackle that could really help Ohio State. They've done a bang up job so far uh, in terms of recruiting. their class, as you mentioned, is in the top 10. Uh, it's been ranked a little higher, I guess, as other schools have, have added more commitments. It's kind of dropped off a little bit. It's number six in the country. Uh, they've got a, a, lo- a couple of linebackers from the state of Ohio, and that's a position of great need, I think, for Ohio State, as I mentioned, at the onset. When we we're talking about the defense. They're playing a tandem of two linebackers at the two linebacker positions that they're going with. And they've dropped from using three linebackers to two linebackers this year because they don't have three viable linebackers, I think is kind of the, the overriding message. They're better off with the safety out there running around. And Ronnie Hickman, that bullet linebacker, is the leader in tackles on the team. But they've got two outstanding uh, linebackers from the state of Ohio, C.J. Hicks from Kettering Alter in the Dayton area. And Gabe Powers from Marysville, Ohio, uh, just outside Columbus. Those two guys are probably the the highlights of this class. Uh, they need help in the secondary. Terrence Brooks is a big time cornerback that they've got out of Texas, and a wide receiver, a couple wide receivers that are just going to add to the uh, to the largess. You know, this wide receiver group: uh, Caleb Burton from Texas and Caleb Brown uh, from Chicago. Those two guys in my mind uh, and another one kion grace from arizona so you're adding uh three more national top 100 wide receivers for brian hartline to a group that uh is already considered uh, the nation's best so i i look at it and i just say um i I don't i don't i don't necessarily always subscribe to the theory that ohio state just recruits itself i think that uh that there is an art form to this, to uh, scouting prospects, uh, watching videotape, uh, getting to know parents and coaches and the player, and finding the right fit for Ohio State. Because it, it it's not for everybody. I mean, the weather here is kind of hit or miss. Today it's going to be close to sixty-five, but uh, the other day the high was about thirty-eight. You know, so when they played that game the other day, it was. It in general, their recruiting, they've done really well. And uh, I mentioned that over the weekend, they got a little bit of a surprise. They had a 2023 prospect, Sonny Styles from Pickerington Central, who's a junior right now. And his team is in the final eight in the uh, big school playoffs right now, we'll play regional final uh, this Friday night. Um, he committed to the Buckeyes. His brother, Lorenzo Styles Jr., is actually on the roster as an offensive player at Notre Dame. And uh, their dad, Lorenzo Sr., played for the Buckeyes in the mid-90s as a linebacker, played a while in the NFL as well with the Rams. So a big coup for Ohio State. He's a national top-10 prospect and uh, really energizes what they're doing for 2023. But uh, 2022, they're still looking uh, probably add uh, four or five more players to that class and uh, spots will come available as guys jump off to the NFL and transfer or whatever else happens here at the end of the season. So uh should be uh, – my fi- My feeling is they will end up um, with another top five class, I would think, for 2022.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And obviously, you know, it seems like we, we're building up to this uh, – we're building up to the – early early signing day which really is just they should really just call it national signing day now because the one in yeah. the one in february has pretty much become uh I mean, like climax yeah <laughs> do, but steve you get a sense of um have you do you know how many uh, guys are are going to sign in december for ohio state be be early
0: enrollees uh, obviously coming in for for spring practice next year that is a good question. Um, I am not all the way up to date right now on that. That's become a big uh, thing for them, obviously. Uh, they have 16 commitments as they stand here today. My guess is they could sign, you know, 18 or 19 in December if they get a few more commits in the next four weeks before the signing day, and then probably look to sign two or three more uh, in February. However, it shakes out. Uh, obviously, this is the first cycle post-COVID in many regards because none of these kids could get on campus for visits until June 1 this past year or July 1, whichever month it was. And so um, in, in a lot of ways, uh, this cycle could be a little bit behind the times in terms of, uh, what we've seen in years past by this point, most years, Ohio state's got 20 or 20 commitments and signs 20 or more guys in December. And then just adds one or two, uh, in February. So, uh, you know, 16 right now there is room. Uh, I would think all total that they'll end up around 21 or 22 when it's all said and done. And again, I, I have no doubt. They're going to add more quality to this class and, uh, you know, potentially go out and try and, and snag a quarterback. Like we said uh, with uh, the player from SC that was committed that it's supposed to visit this weekend. Um, you know, you look at the quarterback room, you have CJ Stroud, who seems like he's going to be back as the starter next year. Where does that leave Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers? Will one or both of them uh Uh, transfer out to go start somewhere else next year you know people are going to be coming at them from every angle to come in and be the savior somewhere next year and um, so that's something those guys will have to think long and hard about Jack Miller is also on scholarship at quarterback and I kind of viewed him as a long-term backup at Ohio State with the chance to maybe start in 2023 after Stroud leaves but uh, you know how the future is going to hold we just don't know And Ohio State's uh, trying to get all their ducks in a row to make sure that they have plenty of quarterbacks in the eventuality that one of these guys or both, yours or McCord, uh, take off after this season. So I haven't heard anything to that uh, level. And when, and I've said this before, when you think about it, uh, Ryan Day's track record is to put guys in the first round of the NFL draft. He did it with Haskins. He did it with Fields. Looks like he may do it with Stroud. So would one of those guys, yours or uh, McCord play the long game and know that if I stay through 2023, then I'll have a lottery ticket in my hand as well and be a first round pick in 2024. That uh remains to be seen though.
1: Yeah, there's definitely th- a lot of things we'll have to watch out for as far as the the quarterback room there, the highest stakes. You're right, especially with the transfer portal being so prevalent now there, there's obviously going to be plenty of, uh plenty of suitors coming after uh, both Kyle McCord and, uh, and Quinn Ewers, uh, after the season's over.
0: Yeah, legally and and illegally probably, but uh, you know, (laughs) uh, get get a hold of their third cousin or their second uncle and you know the uh, you know their their high school JV coach or whatever, you know, to to pass a word on that, hey, we could use a quarterback. But uh yeah it's um you know it's a strange new frontier that we are in with college football and, and name image and likeness and the transfer portal. And a lot of it is player friendly now, whereas it, the, the, uh, the, uh, the benefits always kind of been on the side of the colleges. They've kind of held all the cards. Now the players are holding more of these cards and, and it's become a very volatile uh, marketplace out there. When you look at all these coaching jobs that are open or going to be open here in the next few weeks, USC and Washington and Virginia tech and, and so many LSU and so many other places. So yeah, it. Uh, you know, everyone's looking for the quick fix, no doubt about it. Yeah, we talk. We, we got.
1: We got to stay away from the tampering, though, Steve. You know. We, yeah. We, we can. We can slide. We can. Uh, we can pass a word to to Quinn, yours is his cousin, and and let him to get him to slide up to get him to slide in a word to uh, to Quinn about a potential uh, a suitor
0: for him there. No doubt. And Quinn, uh, he got to travel with the team in Nebraska. Jack Miller had an off the field issue with the DUI arrest. And so they slid yours up. It was interesting day for the longest time was like, Oh, he's not ready. He's learning, you know, boy, once Jack Miller, you know, had his issue and wasn't able to go, Oh, he's making progress. He's getting reps. He's, you know, whatever. And when they got ahead of Purdue by such a large margin, you wondered if maybe they would put him in the game and just see what happened, but that never materialized. And with McCord, they're also in a situation now where he has played, um, I think four games. So if he plays again, he would lose his redshirt year. But again, then Ryan Day says, who thinks any of these guys is going to be here five years from now, you know, who really, you know, is thinking in those terms. So, you know, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of a lot of things happening. But uh, you know, it, it's always a there's never a dull moment over here at the Ohio State College, as we like to joke.
1: <laughs>
0: well, you
1: you've certainly uh, I've seen it all, been being around for for as long for as long as you have.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, in my 27th year doing this full time covering Ohio State football, and uh, 34th year full time covering. OSU basketball, and uh, they got a couple big games coming up here on the docket. So uh, this is a busy time, you know, kind of juggling, uh, you know, a, a top 10 team in football, a top 20 team in basketball. But, uh, you know, there's there's always something to write about. That's, that's the one good thing. I, I don't have to worry. I don't have to look around like, what am I going to talk about today? There's always four different topics out there that I can jump on at any moment
1: yeah it's like is is there anything going on in Ohio State today and and you know just oh yeah we got a we got a big game on, on Saturday and and speaking speaking of that I did want to get uh couldn't let you go without without getting a pick from me I don't know if you've made one uh yet but Ohio State obviously the Vegas number is is minus 19 right now uh, for the Buckeyes but to me I kind of view it as a maybe a 14 17 point a uh, type win for Ohio State so kind of kind of leaning towards Michigan State uh, to cover, but obviously Ohio State to win uh, at this point.
0: Yeah, but I think the big thing to me is the start of the game. Uh, They jumped on Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, and Purdue and had them out of the game in the first seven minutes. I mean, it was over. All four of those games were pretty much over. Penn State and Nebraska, they sputtered on offense – At the beginning, first five possessions against Penn State, they netted a field goal. That was it. Uh, First six possessions against Purdue, they scored touchdowns. Six possessions in a row. That is efficiency. That's getting it done. If they can come out and do something similar and get 24, 28 points in the first half against Michigan State and get a comfortable lead, then maybe they go on and cover that 20. I don't know. It just seems to me like that's a lot. And Ohio State at home has a reputation, usually, of burying opponents uh, pretty good. And, uh, you know, other than the Oregon loss, they've pretty much buried everybody they've played there uh, for the longest time. So I look at it that, um, you know, here's Ryan Day. He's never lost to a Big Ten team. That includes two championship games and all of the regular season games. He coached, including one against Rutgers back in 2018 when he filled in for uh, Urban Meyer when he was serving his suspension. So he is whatever an O regular season and overall against big 10 opponents. And I don't look for that to change this week. I think Michigan state's a good team, but their defense just is not up to snuff to, to stop this offense. And so it could be an avalanche of points. Maybe they, if they get into the fifties, then yeah, they'll probably cover, but I'm thinking something like 41, 40, 40, 41, 24, something like that. If I had to think about it, as you mentioned, the 17 point spread, but I'm not overly excited about – i I'm not overly excited about the 19 to say put your house on Michigan State or put your house on Ohio State. So uh, some weeks – last few weeks I haven't been real good because I would have had them covering probably the ones that they didn't cover against Penn State and Nebraska and then had them not covering last week against Purdue and they did. So – They've become somewhat unpredictable here as the season has uh, has gone on. Just the track record says that at home they're usually spot on with what, whatever it is they're trying. It's senior day, and uh, Stroud, you know, he could throw for 400 yards probably against this defense. So uh, maybe they name the score. I don't know, but uh, it seems unlikely to me.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's definitely true. And, and obviously everybody – I know, I know fans don't love the, the 12 o'clock kickoff. I know, I know, I know you love that 12 o'clock. Uh, yeah. I'll be walking Saturday. out
0: of the stadium at seven o'clock and going to get dinner and maybe a post game beer or whatever, and, uh, watch whatever the night game is this week. I don't even know who's playing, but, uh, there is some intrigue across the big 10, different games that are being played. And, uh, obviously, uh, Wisconsin has the, the inside track in the West and, um, Whatever happens here, Ohio State has to beat Michigan next week to have any chance of uh, going to Indianapolis. So uh, they could lose this game and beat Michigan. And if Penn State beats Michigan State next week, they would still go to Indianapolis. So, um, you know, uh, again, perish the thought that they're going to lose this game as a 20-point favorite at home on senior day. But, you know, we've seen a lot of strange things over the years, so you never know. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Steve, thanks so much for, for yep. taking the time, as always. And
1: definitely uh, going to get you back on again real soon. But tell everybody where they can find you, uh, your work over there on, on BuckNuts.com, where they can find uh, your your social media and all that as well, where they can find you on Twitter and different things like that. And I always appreciate you having you, brother.
0: Yeah, I'm glad, glad we could do it. Uh, you see my Twitter handle there, at Steve Hellwagon with an E-N there at the end, a little bit different. And Bucknuts.com, we're part of the 24-7 Sports Network and the CBS Sports Empire and uh, covering Ohio State football, basketball, recruiting. And I feel like we do a pretty good job on the whole with it. So if you're an OSU fan, check it out. And uh, we'll be all over this Michigan State game this weekend.
1: No doubt. It's the whole you and the whole staff over there doing an incredible job. So again, thanks so much for for taking the time and definitely looking forward to seeing uh the content on the site throughout the rest of the week as we head into the game. All right. Take care. Thanks so much to Steve for coming on today. Thank you for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify for another edition of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Crunch Time Plays with your host, Bennett Ganey.
0: Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow at PlaysCrunch on Twitter and Instagram.